In this episode, we will discuss the power of a good strategy with Kyra Rennell, MBA, founder of The Kyra Company, and the author of Be a Brilliant Business Owner and CEO. Welcome to the Pretty Little Leader Podcast, the podcast that provides women with actionable strategies to navigate the jungle of corporate America while ensuring that our personal lives don't get lost in the shuffle. The goal of the Pretty Little Leader Podcast is to help us ladies anticipate the gender and racial gaps in our careers and realize how to use our most powerful weapon, which is our emotional intelligence. I'm your host, Ebony Wiley, wife, mom of three, career coach, and past executive at one of America's most admired companies. I want you to think about Pretty Little Leader like a fireside chat with your girlfriends. Welcome back to the Pretty Little Leader podcast. I have Kyra Rennell with me today, who is a powerhouse of a woman. I personally can attest to her greatness and the conversation is going to be wonderful. Kyra, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Ebony, thank you for having me. I am excited to be here. I'm excited to have the dialogue with you and I am looking forward to the exchange. Awesome. Kyra is the founder of the Kyra Company. She is also the author of the book, Be a Brilliant Business Owner and CEO. Kyra, could you give us a little bit about what the Kyra Company does and what you're most proud of it? Absolutely. The Kyra Company is a full service business development agency. We provide small to mid-sized businesses with operational development. So we get inside of their business and we, we may be in startup mode with them and we're working on all of the gears that will help make their business flow. We're talking about who the people are, who that leader is. We're assessing their leadership capacity. We're listening and looking at their vision and identifying the processes that we need to put in place to bring their vision to life. And also, of course, the most important thing is making sure that they have a profitability model that makes sense. Our startups come into this space with so much passion and intention, and it is our absolute focus to make sure that we captivate that and capture it, but we also apply the hard and fast rules of making sure that the people process and the profitability model, profitability model are laid very strongly as a foundation. For our other organizations that are typically in that growth space where they've been in business for a bit and they understand what some of their strengths are, their weaknesses are, they have money, they have capital to, to actually grow their business and to hire you know, new team members, associates, and leaders. Those individuals are looking for support. They typically, that leader has typically reached what we call their capacity. It's time to lift their lid. If you're a fan of the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership, it is time to do that. And the reason why they raise their hand is because they know that they're there and they can't necessarily grow organically anymore. They've got to make a turn or, or apply some pressure. And that's where a consulting firm like ours comes in, where we really do an operational assessment. We want to understand what makes your business go, what has allowed it to be successful, and what your what your profit leaks are, which is where your issues typically uh, show up. So we typically read issues as money, 
a failure to make more money or we're making too much money, right? One of the two, but they both cause issues. And we want to help the business owner and their team at this point understand how to get in and develop their operations, outline processes and create repeatable solutions that help to take the difficulties out of doing business every single day. Those are two of the primary ways that the Kyra company provides services to our, our clients and customers. And then on a corporate level, we of course provide training, development, and executive level coaching to make sure that our execs and our leaders that are inside of the organizations have strength in their divisions, have strength in their, in their teams, and they understand how to grow to meet the metrics of that corporation. And we're industry agnostic. So we have the flexibility of serving across multiple industries, dealing specifically with the operational aspects of the companies. So that's what we do in a nutshell. If, if that is a nutshell, it felt like a, a <laughs> lot of information, but that's what we do. We're an operationally focused organization. Awesome. And how long have you been doing this with the Kyra company? When did you get started? Oh my gosh. So, so excited because we are approaching the crest. We're about to peak at our fifth year uh, at the end of this year. And so I'm thrilled about that. So we are five years old, just about five years old. And that to me is huge, you know, five years in full on entrepreneurship. Also in my nonprofit space, my nonprofit is 13 years old this year, but that's hard work. So I considered it a hobby for a long time, not realizing I was really running a very viable business, but we have been running the Kyra company for the last five years. I'm really in awe of that, to be honest. Oh, that's awesome. The five-year mark really says that you have a product and a service that people are willing to pay for and they're seeing the benefits. And so would you mind sharing with the audience how did you start the Kyra company? What made you transition from a career to being the founder of the Kyra company? Sure. So it's not a love story by any means. I was in corporate America for 15 years, just over 15 years. And I worked across multiple industries and I've always been inside of the operational units of the businesses and industries from healthcare to automotive design to distribution and heavy, heavy customer service is a part of my background, whether it's internal or external. But about, well, just really the, the year before the company started, really nine months essentially before the company started, I was terminated. I was released. I was returned to the community, no longer viable for the corporate placement that I was in. And I say it like that because it was such a, it was a surprise, but it was really my heart's desire. And I was, you know, having one of the best days of my week. I was walking around the office. I remember with my notebook and I was checking things off and I was super productive, getting things done. And I was working in electrical distribution and I was passing the CFO's door and in heard my name. And I said, oh, you know, good afternoon. What's going on? And he said, hey, did you get my email? We wanted to meet at 11 and I'm looking at my watch and it's like 1115. No, I sure didn't. I've just been, you know, moving around, doing what I need to do. And I look and I realize that the director of HR is also sitting in there. And I thought, hmm, this is an interesting pair. I wonder what this meeting is about, right? What employee issue do we need to hash out? And why is the CFO involved? Obviously, the P&L is impacted. That was my thought. 
And when I came in, I just kind of just walked in at that point and sat down at this table. And I remember this mahogany desk, there was no paperwork and there was a conversation going on, letting me know that, you know, we have made a decision to move on in the company and we're going to, you know, release you because you're no longer part of the direction that we want to go in. And at that time, I was the highest ranking African-American leader, highest ranking African-American woman. And I was responsible for the distribution centers operationally for the Gulf Coast. That company is based in Texas. And so I had several, several branches under my belt. And I thought, this is a very interesting conversation. And so I moved through the conversation and, and realized there was no paperwork, which meant there was no severance package, which meant that we had a different issue. And so I made my request, waited about an hour. They were able to pull the paperwork together and, and offer a package that was suitable for me to, to take and to leave. But when I got in my car, I remember I had a stack of business cards from an event I'd gone to. And just as soon as I wanted to be sad about the situation and think about, oh my goodness, you know, um, my son's about to graduate from high school in, in two months and I've got to face my family and tell them I don't have a job and family of three kids. And at that time, not sure what my husband was going to say. And I didn't know either that I held 66% of our household income at that point. And I didn't know that until I really got close to the numbers during that downtime. And I was very afraid of that. And so I say that to say it wasn't a love story, but what happened was so incredible. Um, you quickly align when you're operationally thinking, you're strategic. I went into that mode for myself, my family, my life. My personal self-worth was a constant tear. I was not confident. I went from confident to to unsure every, you know, 20 to 45 minutes. It was just this roller coaster for nine months was what it felt like. How did you get yourself out? Did you have a, a friend that was an accountability partner that really, when you were feeling down, you picked up the phone and called? Or was that a, a solo journey? No, thank you for asking that. And, th and that was the thing. There were five, you know, when you start telling this story, it almost becomes like this movie reel that you see. So I'm literally watching the movie unfold before my eyes as I'm saying it to you. So jump in at any point in time. But no, I had five women, five women. I called them my five pillars and they all had a specific role and they all jumped in this journey with me. And at any point in time, when I hit one of those rungs and I needed some support or needed to bounce back or I needed to vent, man, it was just so beautiful that they were placed there. And I really believe that God assigned them each in their position. And they just held me up for literally that entire time and beyond. We're all still very good friends. So no, I had people in my corner. One particular person, I sat down for coffee to really fast forward to how we got into the idea of even starting a consulting firm. Sat with her for coffee and I'd known her for a while. And she said, I have a question. I would love for you to look at this and see if we can talk through what are your ideas around this project? And she'd been trying to create a training template, a training format that would allow her to do something in her business. She's an entrepreneur. And we're sitting there having coffee and I pull out my notebook because if you know me, I really don't go anywhere without one. And I start sketching and I identify how we can actually execute this and gave her a timeline and budget. And I just immediately the operations were designed. And she looked at me and she said, I've been really working on this for the last two months. And you sat down here and in like 10, 15, 20 minutes, you've got it all mapped out for me. And she said, how is it that you're not selling this? 
And I looked at her and I was like, selling what? Like, so what is, what do you mean? Sell what? And for the next couple of weeks, every morning, it seemed like at 630, you know, she was pinging me and telling me, you need to do this. You need to do this. And I was like, I don't even know what the this is. So if you can imagine someone seeing your gift and seeing the opportunity for you and you can't see it, that's like, it's a mystery at that point, you know, and I just, I couldn't see it. It's interesting because now with the Kyra company, you do that for other people. Mm -hmm. You see something in someone and you bring that out and you really help them articulate their vision and their goals and put a plan in place to achieve them. So it's interesting that your girlfriend was able to do that for you. And now you have turned around and been able to not monetize it because it's not about the money, but really pull people's gifts out. So let's give us some insight about that. How did you change your mindset of running operations for organizations to really having to do this for yourself as a business owner? And and please also share some of the, the thought processes and the boxes that you put yourself in that you had to come out of. Ooh, big, big. So I'll talk, start with the boxes first, because I think they were the most critical things that I had to maneuver. Box number one was I'm a corporate professional. I'm corporately brainwashed. I'm corporately structured. I do things inside of companies. Box number one, that was really a big, big box. I dress a certain way, I speak a certain way, I show up a certain way, I deliver a certain way. That was one. The other one was this personality that as a that could, was literally a spear from being in this corporate box. I had this persona that I didn't know that I carried and people saw me as being so professional, so business all the time. And I didn't know how to shake or break it. And I knew that if I'm not in corporate America anymore, that perhaps I could let some of that down. So I had to get through some personality and some character uh, restrictions that I had placed on myself. I had to get out of thinking that I could only wear a blue, a gray and a navy um, and a black suit every day. That was funny. I literally would get up every morning with no job, <laughs> but with a plan and go to my desk in my now office in my dining room. And I would be dressed as if I was headed to a meeting. I was dressed for the day. And that that level of discipline was so intense for me. It helped me, though. It really pulled me forward. Like keeping that regimen pulled me forward. But I will tell you, I had to laugh at myself some days because of how obvious it started to become. The more, you know, I'd come in from working out and go put on a, you know, a pair of slacks and a blouse. And I'm like, this is crazy, right? But I was serious about keeping that regimen. But um, those were the biggest two. And I think from there it became, oh my gosh, uh, my family, I'm failing my family. Oh, okay. What do my kids think of this? What does it look like from the outside looking in? I wondered about that. Not too long though, but I did have a, a wonder about the optics. But because I had those five women, I was able to keep balance around what that felt like and what that experience was because they were very open with me. And so that helped a lot. My blind spots were huge. They were huge. I didn't understand entrepreneur world at all. I knew corporate world. I had to stop and learn. And that was one of my core strategies. I realized I was a fish out of water. I quickly understood that being in a corporate environment and now being an entrepreneur with no supports, I had to create all the framework. I quickly invested in flip charts, Sharpie, and I went to town. And so I started drawing and 
crafting out what I thought was my vision. And I kept going and I kept going until I got to something solid. And I started to listen to anything and everything that I could that would help me get into the, the entrepreneur mindset. So I started looking for conferences to go to and listening to some of the speakers from those conferences offline. So now I'm in their tribe, so to speak, and I'm listening to them teach me how. I started joining Facebook groups that made sense for me. I started to just glean. Man, I was a sponge, a sponge. As fast as I could learn it and apply it, I did. And I was really, really, really serious about taking it on from that perspective. So I had to break those shells that I had. I probably still have some to this day that I'm not as aware of. And then I just started to dig in and learn. So learning was my core strategy and it was from everybody. Even if they weren't the likely mentor for me, I could still learn from them. I could still learn from them. It didn't matter. If they had insight, I was going for it. You touched on a lot there. I mean, you from feeling like you were failing your family, trusting your girl's tribe, identifying that you even had blind spots, and then the constant learning and being open to learn. I'd like to discuss a little more about how you handled the thought that you were failing your family. What did you articulate to them so that they understood the the journey you were on? Ooh, okay. So I'm about action. I'm an action taker. So once I realized what was at risk, like, you know, when I'm sitting down doing the finances on Sunday, I'm like, okay, (laughs) here's where we are. (laughs) Everybody deep breath. And I'm literally sitting there and I went back to the old school regimen of a piece of paper, every single bill on the paper. Because when you're in corporate, it's an every two week uh, cycle that you're on. And so you don't really even get back. You don't go back to the budget. You made a budget in January. I wasn't going back to the budget. I just went to the budget and I stayed on the budget. It was color coded. Every bill was attached to the front cover letter that showed every single thing that was due, the due dates. And I just started assessing where we were. And I went back to an old tool that we had invested in, which is uh, Financial Peace University. And I went back and I pulled those tools out and I made sure, okay, let's get this emergency fund set. Let's make sure we start paying down unnecessary debt. Let's start. I just started activating in the things that I already knew how to do. Um, and once I got that together, we did not miss a financial beat. We rocked that 44% that he had and the unemployment that I had and obviously the severance package that I had. And we went all the way. And it was so funny because um, that being one of those tools, I didn't communicate to my family my fear. I just said, what do I need to do? Because I wanted to make sure that um, I could take action. I didn't want fear to set in. And so I was afraid, but I took action on it. That was one of the most critical ones. And then really outside of that, I always kind of been that, you know, they say the woman sets the temperature for the home. And yes, so I was that for my family and I'm still that way, you know, and it's like, I couldn't let them see me sweat. And I don't know if that was right or wrong, but that was a choice I made. No, that's awesome. Because it shows how you kind of came out of that. You had that fear that you didn't want to let out. So you went into instant operation, operation fix it and let's get going. So let's fast forward. You get to the Cairo company is active. You get your first client. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to me about the things that you're doing now that you're most excited about? 
Oh, yes, absolutely. The program we started off with, which is the CEO Performance Manager, it's been the one program we've had since we started. And we've launched so many businesses, so many authors, so many missions, so many movements, nonprofits, corporations, you name it. We're finally moving that product into full automation. And I will tell you, as an operational professional, I sat and did the numbers on this program and looked at how we could serve more businesses, how with this one program we could create more opportunities. And we have several programs in the company, but this one is our signature. And this one has so much value, but we were able to literally revitalize this program, offer more value to our customers and give them and create more volume, which means I can I can make sure that the Kyra company can serve more com- more customers annually. You know, by taking a lot of the weight off of me because this is a program that's so near and dear to my heart. I personally touch every customer that comes through. Well, I still was able to design it in a way as we're putting it in automation, and it starts now. Literally, we've been trying to get here for years, and we're finally here now to be able to not only serve more customers streamline the program, but still give them tons more value over the length of the program. And I'm super excited about that. So the CEO Performance Manager is our primary startup program, and we've just automated it. And business owners are going to move through this in such an incredibly smooth way and gain so much more access and so much more value. So if you want to know what I'm proud of, I'm really proud of getting to it's like the baby. I made my first thousand dollars with this program. I made my first three thousand dollars with this program. I made my first twenty thousand dollars with this program. So it's been the the thing that's kept the volume. And so we're grateful for it in such a tremendous way. That's awesome. So can you enlighten the audience about some of the programming that you do? I know you have the Smart CEO series on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. Is that a part of this program as well? Absolutely. So the Smart CEO, if you, it's a spinoff. So the CEO Performance Manager Program was designed because CEOs don't have anybody to manage their performance. We are out here in the wild, wild west of entrepreneurship doing things how we want to do them. So the idea is that that program gives us CEO performance management and they get to deliver. And so then the Smart CEO was a likely spinoff. And that is our training platform. It is a monthly networking experience and it's a weekly live smart talk exchange. And so that's where we promote, identify and elevate business owners that are in the smart CEO community. It's a private Facebook community. And these are all executives, all CEOs that were smart enough to raise their hand and get in the room. And when I call someone a smart CEO, it doesn't have really anything to do with Their actual intellectual property, it has everything to do with their mindset, which is obviously a byproduct. So their mindset means that tells me that they're smart enough to come into a room of collectives and collective leaders. So a collective space gives you more value. So if I can come into a room with smart people that are doing similar things or learning and want to learn along the same lines, because we're all in this 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 entrepreneurial space or we're, we're striving to be. Um, I can come and learn. It's safe. I can ask questions that I wouldn't ordinarily ask and I can find my next customer in this group. I can, you know, I can promote my product here and I can learn directly from someone 
that, and it's not going to cost me, you know, anything. If it, if it is, we'd only drop our nominal programs in that group. So that way people still have access to training and development. And I'm going to touch on that real quick. The reason why I wanted this group is because I didn't want, I had enough people coming to me and say, one day I'm going to get my, my money together and I'm going to be able to work with you. I would hear that and they would say, I'm going to get my money together okay, so I can get, you know, get in line and work with you. And I thought that speaks two things. One, it speaks to the quality and the value that they place on what we do, who we are, and what our company stands for. That was an honor. The other thing is it told me that there are people out there that can't touch and receive. They can't have their, their needs not being met. And so I thought, how can I create an opportunity for individuals to have their need met in some ways that they can afford, right? So if it's free, that's great. If it's a $49 experience, if it's a $20, you know, $5 experience, what can I do to make sure people can access information? And that was really why the group was created. And we've just continued for the last three years to hold space for smart CEOs. And we, you know, do breakfast with the smart CEOs. And that's a networking experience. And we're bringing them people that can touch aspects of their business, like bankers, like attorneys, like individuals that can teach them about finance and investing, and even non-traditional investing, and and so on. You know, you name it. We brought construction and franchising. So things that can enhance the business development experience. And, and you're able to learn. We've even had our stylists come in and talk about how you show up. And so that smart CEO community is designed to just deal with the entire person of the CEO and help them really grasp the concept of showing up as a smart CEO, collaborate. Like that's the key. This reciprocity all day long in that group is reciprocity in the smart CEO community. That's just how we move. And that's what makes it, you know, I think the success that it is. Absolutely. I call you the collaboration queen. Uh, because when I was personally doing my research for a professional coach and someone to hold me accountable, I would look at you, you know, quite honestly in the background and just see some of the things you were doing. And I noticed that you do a lot of collaborations with like-minded people, with businesses of all kinds. And that is something that I can appreciate having benefited from your experience and your input and quite honestly, your willingness to partner with someone when you know that there's a win-win in a situation. So definitely I can see the, the benefit of working with the Kyra company. I wanted to ask you a question from the perspective of being a, a woman, a mom, a wife at one time, a sister, a daughter, or, you know, all these things that we have. Do you have any advice or strategies for maybe a younger woman who's listening to this, who has aspirations to run her own business and all of the demands that come with it? You know, I do. And the first thing I would say is take your time. Take your time and experience the development of your business. If you go business first, take your time and experience the development of your relationships. If that's happening as well, don't do your best to resist adopting all of the pressure from outside. The way I started, I was already in a very, I was in a bubble. So it was so much diff more different than it would be for someone younger coming in because I was, I had a house, I had a home, I had a family, marriage, all those things were already secured, right? So I wasn't trying to emerge as an adult at the same time, create a business. And so 
those things were all very real for me. And we had a system already in place. And what I would say that I did not do is enjoy the journey. It's going to be complex. It's going to challenge you. It's going to stretch you. But take your time. And if love is a part of the process, fall all the way in and surrender to the fullness of it. You can have love, you can have relationship, and you can have your business. Your business hopefully is attached to your purpose, which gives you such an incredible drive that nothing will allow you to separate from. And just the same when when it comes to love and when it comes to your family, your children, the, the individuals, your parents, aging parents, people that rely on you for support, direct support, communicate and show them what you're doing. One of the greatest things that I've been able to do and now reap the benefits of is I've shown my children um, the inside of what it takes to build. So when we are moving around for per se, let's say we go shopping, they understand that I'm using resources that I've earned and they've watched me earn. And so it's not as simple as them having no emotional connection to the dollar. I've watched them have an emotional connection to the dollar and they appreciate it. It took a while to get there, but communicating that even to your mate, your boyfriend, your husband, your significant other, whatever, your partner, communicate what's happening. Help them understand what's going on in your business. Entrepreneurship is up and down. It is heel and it is valley. And you have to be able to communicate that because those peaks and those valleys impact your personality. You're a, you have good days and you have bad days. You have days where you want to throw it all away and you have days where you want to apply for 13 jobs because you're like, this can't be my life. But then you have those days where you've made a hire or you've acquired a client, a dream client, or you walk into one of the biggest deals that you've ever had. Having someone in your life that you can share the magic of those moments with is absolutely irreplaceable. Having someone in your life that supports you as you move is absolutely irreplaceable. So whomever that person is, and it could be your kids, it could be your parents, it could be your significant other, whomever that person is, it could be your girlfriend tribe, but you do need to communicate and take your time. This is an uncharted path. And I don't care what anybody says, as many blueprints as we have, I don't have a blueprint for it. I just know the things that are the the elements that are that are that are staples that will never change inside of a business. I know what those things are and I know how to build around them. But there's really no true blueprint. And so everyone's path is different. And so I would say take your time and experience it completely. You know, wherever you are in that moment, be all there. And don't let it pass you by because you're not the hustle. Get rid of the hustle and apply the strategy. Get into strategic mode as a leader. That will take a lot of the angst off. And it'll also take a lot of the comparison or the imposter syndrome that you may be taking on because you're watching things happen around you, whether it's via social media or your friend group or it's coming in, you know, via the news, whatever. Find your strategy, apply it and walk and march to that. And take your time as you build. Take it because you want to feel it all. You want to know it. So when you get ready to sell your business or franchise your business or hire more people, 
that you're so clear about who those individuals need to be or which opportunity is the right one. This is where it starts. It starts at startup. It starts at midpoint when you're growing. You need to know your business so intimately that you can't afford to bulldoze past moments of growth. You just cannot. You need to be present with it all. Awesome. Well, we have really enjoyed the conversation today. And I really enjoyed the conversation with you today, Kyra, and wanted to give you the opportunity to communicate where people can connect with you and learn more about you and more about the Kyra Company. Absolutely. You can go to thekyracompany.com and log on to our website and all of our services are listed there. You can send a note to us and we'll respond. You can also find us on all of our social media platforms at Kyra Hardwick. If you choose to type in the Kyra Company, all of the collateral will still come up. So you can find us completely with a beautiful search of Kyra Hardwick and everything will show up for you. But I will tell you, the website will give you great insight to how we do business and who we serve and all of the different layers that we discussed today. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kyra, for going on this journey with us to talk about what it's like to transition from being in corporate America to owning your own company to the communication and dealing with the emotional side of it. It has been my pleasure to be with you today. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. I hope that you enjoyed hearing from Kyra Rennell regarding the power of a good strategy today. She gave us a lot of tips about ensuring that you have a strategy in place, listening to your girl tribe, and the power of collaboration. It's so good to be with you today. And I'm happy that we're on this journey together. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Pretty Little Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Ebony Wiley. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please take a few minutes to subscribe and leave a review at www.prettylittleleader.com. You can also access show notes and other show-related information on the website. Life is a journey, and I'm so happy that you joined today. Till next time.